everyone, this is Heather. Thanks for joining me with Simply Healed with Heather Leonard today and this very fun topic, and it is a fun play on words, but it is a real catastrophe, let me just tell you. We need to stop shutting ourselves. It's bad. <laughs> I say this from a place of complete and utter empathy because I should myself every day. <laughs> so awful to say. It's so true. Uh, so just in sitting down to get this episode done, I should myself for a whole hour. <laughs> I had so many things that I needed to get done. I was scattered and all over the place. I desperately wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to somebody who is making a career just based on this topic alone and she has a new upcoming book and I could not find her name for the life of me and I know somebody's gonna mention it in the chat and I hope so um, anyway it was just I just wanted to give her a little nod but yet I used that as an excuse to sit for an entire hour sifting through papers sifting through emails looking on Facebook page trying to find this woman's name because I knew I heard it come out of her mouth one time. <laughs> this concept isn't even a new one. This is a concept that's been around for so long. People have been saying the phrase should've, could've, would've, and yet we're still shooting all over ourselves. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So let's do this. Let's stop shooting ourselves and do it together. So let's talk about it. Thanks for joining guys. Let me tell you just where I think we go wrong as a society with this. We have all of these beautiful thoughts, ideas, passions, and somewhere along the line, we just bury them. And I don't even know why. I mean, it's as though we forget about that little 10-year-old inside us that has all these big dreams, is excited to change the world, and suddenly we start living really small. And I don't even know when, where it happens, Maybe it's different for everybody. It depends on your life experiences or sometimes we just end up functioning out of necessity. And I think that's a big part of this problem. When we start functioning for necessity, we truly just are in robot mode and we're going and we're going and we're going in these motions that we're doing every day. You get up, you set your alarm, same time, you do the same routine. Even if you're incorporating healthy things into your day, like let's say you have a meditation practice you do before you get out of bed or you do a little yoga stretch, even still when it becomes sort of repetitive and it doesn't change up and it doesn't lend to anything exciting, fresh, new, different, it's just like we're lulled asleep into this zombie mode, I always call it with my kids. It's like we're in a zombie mode and we are just going through the motions and I'm always telling my son to get his head out of his rear because he literally is this space cadet a good portion of his day and it is age appropriate for him, but I still have to keep trying to bring his awareness to it because he will quite literally sometimes, I mean, I think he could probably cut the zipper off of his jacket out of just a complete unawareness of the fact that he's in that mode and not really thinking <laughs> he's just doing you could hand him something and he'll start doing something with it even though I'm not even sure he's comprehended what he's holding in his hand but that's kind of how we all are functioning and it's really scary um, not only is it wasting our time that we have here and doing things that really aren't fulfilling to ourselves but like the greater purpose like what what on earth are we on this planet for I truly believe that we're all puzzle pieces in the sense that everybody is put here with a, a purpose in in the way of like 
something that will, when connected to everybody else, complete a very big purpose. But there's a lot of missing links right now. So there's a whole lot of people that aren't doing their part, let's say. So if you have this huge puzzle to complete and you've got all these little pieces scattered all around that are zombie mode going through their days and not really being true to their passions and and their skills and you know what they're just super talented at. I feel like I've seen so many amazingly talented people who are just sitting behind a desk all day stapling papers, photocopying and I'm just feeling like they're missing the boat. It's not just about, you know, your career, but just in the way that you face relationships. Um, there's that sort of feeling of like, you. there's always going to be tomorrow and I can always get to that later. But I'm here to tell you firsthand, after loss of my husband last year, it's so, so short, the time that you have. And thinking that tomorrow, next year, we'll get that house, we'll take that trip, I'll finally pursue my passion, my job that I've always wanted. I'll, I'll remember to tell my son just how amazing he is and how great I feel like he's doing at school and putting those conversations off until tomorrow. I know I'm not telling you anything new here on this point, but uh, there's just not always that promise of tomorrow. So along that frame of mind, I would suggest to write that eulogy that you would give at your favorite people's funeral today. Sit down, pen and paper, old school, no, no computer typing it up, but actually sit with a pen and paper and write down what would you say to that person if they had just passed and you're standing in a room of hundreds and they're all eagerly waiting for the words you have to say about this person. What would you say? And after you finished writing it all down, I would probably frame that and give it to the person because I can't tell you how often I hear people talk about regret when I do grief coaching and in just conversa conversations sorry, uh, with people about the people they lost and what, what is it that has them so upset because obviously we all have a component of grief when you lose somebody you loved, but I would venture to guess it's not just the person's company that you're missing, as much as the experiences, as much as the feelings that those experiences gave you. So that's a big aspect of the grief coaching I do as well. And I like to kind of just tie that into this podcast wherever I can and, and just give it to you so you can see how it applies to your life. I think a lot of people don't think that they're in need of grief coaching. And quite honestly, I bet most people are, um, whether it be grieving a divorce, grieving, um, yeah, gosh, there's so many things. A big health crisis, um, and it's taken away this freedom of just not having to think about what you put in your mouth or, you know, even what your week looks like. I know that major disease can really, really wreak havoc on everything. But with all that comes grief. You're grieving this life you once had that was so free. So uh, one of the common themes, again, there that I think a lot of people come back to is that what you're missing is that sort of unconditional love. So I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit hole again here, but unconditional love is something you can so freely give to people. And I think by giving it, you're gonna receive it right back. So give yourself that gift of that now while you have the time. And then, you know, and see what happens. Write it down, give it to them, or even 
What I did was I laid down in my son's bed and just talked to him. And I told him all the things as though I was reading a speech practically in front of people. And I just said all the amazing things about him. And I realized I don't tell him that enough. It's really hard as a parent because you're trying so hard to have them follow the right path, do the right things, and you're constantly in a state of correcting and, you know, telling them what they're doing wrong. And you're not always given the opportunities to commend the things that are going right when they're not. <laughs> so that's been my week right now is like, it's, it's tough when you're struggling to get anything to be going right and you're feeling like all I'm doing is constantly nagging. It's really hard to be able to give positive. And this goes for husbands and wives as well. Um, I have a lot of friends that have been telling me about feeling like they're getting in a better headspace and um, moving towards things they've really wanted to do, but then their partner in life is not on the same page and they feel like it's holding them back. And that's a constant struggle as well. But I think that this step of telling them all of the things that you do adore about them, all of the things that you think are their amazing gifts, it's just opens up a door and a conversation. Uh, when I think about loss too, I, I hear this as an overwhelming theme that people say that they're not, they don't talk as a family about these things. It's just not a, it's not a conversation that's ever really come up. It's not as though it's like some taboo thing. It's just not something they talk about. Um, my method with my kids is I talk pretty much nonstop as though he's still an existing family member who comes and goes and just isn't in the room at the moment. And I just want them to keep talking about him openly too and not have it be that anytime the topic of my late husband comes up that, you know, everybody goes quiet and we are uncomfortable and I don't want it to be awkward. I don't want there to be some heaviness on their heart that I'm unaware of and I want to keep giving opportunities over and over and over again for that conversation to be had because if it stopped, honestly, that would be hard for me to handle. I don't want people to stop talking about him or remembering him and I don't think they want that either but they don't always know how to start the conversation um, and that's true of adults, kids, anybody. Um, loss is a funny thing and it it definitely can be so, so different for everybody. And even like both of my children are very different between one that prefers to kind of keep it close to the chest and one that's a little more outward about it. But in both circumstances, the one thing we can all agree on is not wanting that memory to just die down and, you know, not be something that's still fresh in the front of our minds. We do practices like at nighttime before bed, we will look at old videos, we will, you know, laugh and it just, I mean, sometimes really laugh, but, but we are definitely making it so we will not look back and think, wow, as my, my Nana, oh, my little French Nana, who was so sweet and proper, and yet she came out with the most hilarious things, would always say, should or get off the pot. <laughs> we're not doing that we're not going to sit and linger in it and you know woe is me that isn't going to help us it's not going to help those around us and it's certainly not going to help this planet um when i say that i just i just mean that we're all here for a purpose and if we 
just exclude ourselves from that puzzle, there's a missing piece. And it's almost as if we owe it to all the people around us to just put our piece down, right? Stop should and get to some action. So stop having excuses, stop having reasons because we can all come up with reasons and excuses. I mean, I've got a lot of reasons and excuses. It's very easy. And when there's something that, you know, is a little hard or challenging, it's very easy to just raise our hands and say, sorry, can't, I'm too busy. I'm, you know, I have this over here to do and that over there to do. Um, This morning was my son's, what did they call it? It was like a family math day. And I really didn't have the time today. I needed to record two or three podcasts and all these things that were just like weighing in my mind that I needed to get done before my kids were home and loud over the weekend. (laughs) I just really had a lot of reasons why, but I knew it was going to turn into a should. I should have. Yep, I should have. I should have gone because he's little and it means a lot. For whatever reason, it means a lot when you show up in a classroom just to sit on the floor and roll some dice for a little while with them. It does matter and they do pay attention. And you know, that big hug he gave me when I went to leave and thanks for coming, it was worth it. Because at the end of the day, even if I get one less podcast recorded today or one less box checked, um, I'm never going to regret. I'm not gonna be on my deathbed and saying, man, I wish that Friday in April of 2022, I had just recorded that third podcast episode so that I would have a backlog for that week. Yeah, no, that's, I don't even think I'm gonna remember that next week. Um, However, when I am 80 years old and I'm thinking back and missing and reminiscing on these days of my guys being so little, and I'm gonna wish I had attended every single second that I had. I know that. And would I have regret and think, wow, I should have? <laughs> yeah, I would. So I'm trying to erase future shoulds. <laughs> Stop shooting on myself now and erase some future shoulds by just taking action. Not being afraid to say yes, even when I know it's going to lend to, you know, a lot more stress maybe, potentially. Um, to try to get other things done, but those are so minor. And another major thing I'm working on in my own life right now is is finding a way to not make these little things so major. You know, it shouldn't be stress provoking just to think that I didn't get as ahead as I wanted to today um, or to think that I didn't get to vacuum my floor or do a load of laundry or um, answer 30 emails or whatever. Um, All of that stuff is so not a part of the bigger picture that I need to let it go. And I think it's really important that we all do. So I'm gonna take a quick break right now and come right back. So this is just a really quick reminder for anybody who has not yet done it to follow me so that you can continue to listen to my new episodes when they come out and not miss a one. So that's it. I just wanted to take a quick second and remind you that it's as simple as clicking a button. A lot of people aren't familiar with podcasts. So if it's unfamiliar area to you, you're not alone. All you have to do is when you click on my link and you get to my 
web page, you're going to see a whole bunch of little icons. If you see one that looks familiar, you probably have one on your phone. If it's an iPhone, you probably have the Apple. Um, you might have Spotify or Pandora or be on Google. Um, I'm not up and running quite yet with every single one of them, but I should be over the next few days. Whichever ones you see are live and ready to go. You can click on them. And by doing that, it'll take you there and you can listen there. And there's usually a follow button and all you have to do is click it. It's no cost to you. And then you can keep in touch and keep listening. All right, thanks so much. And back to the show. Author Bronnie Ware recently wrote a book, or not even recently anymore, boy, time is flying the top five regrets of the dying. And Bronnie cited the most common regrets of the dying. And I just kind of want to go through those with you a little because it's really telling. So I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Also included, I wish I hadn't worked so hard, had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends and I wish I'd let myself be happier. Oh, it's like heavy. I did a recent blog article on this. Uh, well, not just on this, but it was called Last Wish Wishes, End of Life Wishes, Final Wishes, and Death Wishes, <laughs> and Living Without Regret. Is this five ideas or one? Um, the reason that, and you can check that out on my Can You Cure Cancer website if you're interested in it, but basically, um, well, well, I should preface, the reason it said Death Wishes, by the way, was because I found it kind of funny. I almost don't even want to say funny because it's kind of more uh, frightening that some of my friends, my um, newer friends are from different countries and I I thought it was a common knowledge that death wishes meant something entirely different. So I felt the need to include that in there. But um, yeah, death wishes is not like on your deathbed wishes and regrets. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's more of like a um, person who is almost tempting death <laughs> you know it's like that is an expression but um so anyway what I wanted to say was that I'm just when I think about what I want my final thoughts to be occupied with regret just oh, I don't want it to make the list I know you know what I mean it's like I worried about that with my husband like he, I worried that he might have had things that he didn't fulfill in his life but as I looked back on it and as we spoke on it because we did have a little bit of an opportunity to talk about it um there wasn't anything we didn't do and as a matter of fact this is kind of freaky but the week before my husband got diagnosed with his cancer we were laying in bed and he said I've done it all I've checked every box I could die tomorrow and I'd be a happy man I did it all like he felt as though, and I did too, we, we agreed to this point, but he was the one that, that brought it up and he just said, I feel as though I've done it all. I mean, we had done all of the toys and the trips, the kids, the dog, the home, like all the things that in life, everybody's got a list of what matters to them. And career-wise, family-wise, uh, all the stuff, we just, we were at a really good place where from that point forward, we were ready to just experience and have so much fun with just what we had already created. You know, there's like this, a lot of people talk about it as though it's their 30s with that building phase up to, and then your 40s on or sort of when you get to enjoy it. Well, that was kind of what happened for us. Like our 20s and 30s were really a big building time. And yeah, entering into our 40s, we were ready to roll. And he passed away at 42. So... I have another dear friend who 
you know, like re retirement age is another time where, and this breaks my heart because it's like so many people hold on to, yeah, when we hit that retirement point, when we finally have all the stuff or whatever, then we can do whatever. And that's the should of, that's the should, stop shoulding. You know, it's like that, those are the things that you will look back and go, oh, I should have done it. We shouldn't have waited. Um, you know, my my father, I'm, I'm sure he'd be fine with me talking about this, um, but he has Parkinson's disease and they had us very, very young, my, my brother and I. And they always said to us, well, the reason we had kids so early was because we wanted to do all the stuff later, you know, have you when, when we're young and then we can enjoy you when we have the energy to do it. And then, you know, after that, then you guys will be off and starting your lives and then we'll be able to sort of do all these adventures and things that a lot of people might do in their 20s. Well, you never know. And, you know, my husband's mother similarly has MS. So, uh, you know, those and they had they had my husband and his sister very young, too. So you think, though, that the future is going to be so wide open for all this stuff. And that's sort of the scary part of putting it all off is that if if tomorrow comes today <laughs> and that happens to more people more often than any of us like to admit. But if that day comes, there's no way to get it back or pause time. It's just I I really fear for our people that aren't living it all right now because I'm all for preparing for your future, you know, putting money away and all of that. But I also, I truly believe that if you're out there and experiencing life and doing and doing it with fun and, you know, injecting all of the good stuff through the journey, then it's not like, I mean, who wants to just backload it all? You know, like the journey is the part that you want to be able to be enriched. They always say that the journey is the part, the fun part, right? Like anybody that I know that's made it to like, you know, making millions or has really succeeded in life, they all say, no, it was the journey. That was the best part. Like, and anybody who's like standing at the starting line always looks and says, no way, the finish line, it's where it's at. Uh what about the part in the middle, you know? The part in the middle is where the beauty is. Those are all the great memories. Those are all the things that when you look back, you're not gonna remember the fact that you were the first one in the office, you were the last one home, you know, you always got the best reviews on your, and I'm not a proponent of being lazy and not trying your best. I'm quite the opposite. I have kind of like a zero tolerance for people who just have like a lackadaisical, like whatever you do in life, do it to the best of your ability is kind of like my thing. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, okay, so fine. If you're, if you're at your job from seven to three, great. Give 150% during that time of day to your job. But when you get in your car and you drive home, use that time to unwind, decompress, and prepare for some fun. Like, start there. Like, you know, maybe instead of just uh, putting a song on the radio even, you could call up your mom and have a conversation. You could, um, or you do blast the music. And this is a new thing I've been doing too. I think I scare everybody in town because my kids and I just rock out in the car. Like, you know, we dance, we sing, whatever. Like just get some joy infused and elevating up your vibration and your energy 
it translates across everything. It translates to being better at your job. It translates to being a better parent. It translates to being, you know, just a better person, which we all could use to be a little better. You could really even look at every single relationship in your life and just think, okay, if I were to pass tomorrow, would I have any should-haves attached to that person? And it's a really kind of cool way to just go through and make sure you're doing all the stuff and saying all the things now. Um, I've done this exercise a few times and I've never made it to the end of saying, yep, there's not one person on my list that I don't have a should've attached to. So, you know, it's a constant job, but in a way it's a beautiful job and a gift to everybody to just keep contemplating those relationships. And along with that, forgiveness has to be a part of this. It, because at the end of the day, you can say all the things you have to say to a person who you love. That's wonderful. But what about the people that you once loved? And then maybe there was a little friction in a relationship and you kind of went your separate ways, but you never talked about it. What about those? Like, ah, yeah, wow. Like I should have probably reached back out to her and not let... 20 years past, yeah, don't let that stuff then. Make it simple, make it easy. Um, you know, just say to them, hey, I was just, your name popped up in my whatever, you know, memories on my phone, or, you know, I was just going through and clearing out some old um, text conversations or whatever from my phone, and I, your name came across, or, oh, I had a dream about you last night, and I just wanted to make sure I reached out and you know, pass some love your way and let you know I was thinking of you. It can be so simple, but the weight that you might have been holding onto that in your body might have been more than you even realized. The body is a really interesting thing because emotions can be stored in tissues. This can make you actually sick, you know? I mean, the, the way your body works, it's got to process stuff and let go of it. Burying stuff deep, it doesn't make it go away. It just covers it up, you know, putting on lipstick on a pig, I guess, so to speak. But it's not fixing the problem at all. And really to just bury it deeper, not think about it, not acknowledge it, isn't healthy. And so that's another thing I do with my grief coaching is really just helping people. First thing you got to do is figure it out. Like, what is it that you're even grieving or missing or sad or, you know, any of these negative low emotions in your body? Like, what are they attached to? You know, so it's kind of digging, getting back in, into that and figuring it all out. So if you can start with what is making me sick, that's a beautiful place to start because it's something you can work on. So a big part of this podcast and a big part of my business is trying to make sure other people don't end up down the same road that I found myself on, which is husbandless. You know, I lost my husband to an, a nasty cancer and it was too late by the time we realized it. And I don't believe that it had to do with his diet or exercise or lifestyle. We changed every single one of those things, even though it already started in a beautiful place. Put it this way. He was choosing salad for lunch organic food whenever possible, drinking more water than any person I know. He was fit, like naturally fit. And then on top of that, exercised, coached. He was just the vision of health. And so being that he was so healthy, where did things go so terribly wrong? Stress. And I know I'm going to talk about this a lot on this podcast, but 
we are a very, very stressed world. And right now, stress is at an all-time high. It's scary. It is physically making us sick because I've talked about this before too, but energy, 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 energy. I know it's sounding very woo-woo, but I think we are finally starting to accept it and realize it that this is science. This is science, people. It's not, I'm not just trying to get you to believe in the woo-woo. I'm not trying to give you some spiritual uh, message. I just want you to understand facts. And facts are, if you think of pizza and your mouth waters, you just had a physical reaction to a thought, right? So you smell your, you know, love of your life's perfume and all of a sudden it takes you somewhere and transports you there in your mind. It's like things, this is how one sense can trigger a feeling or a thought and that thought can then create a physical change in your body. You could get goosebumps, your mouth could water, you could get the chills. Like these things are actual autonomic, which means automatic functions that happen as a result of a thought in your mind. So stress quite literally creates sickness. So stress is funny because there are different hormones at play and cortisol is one that everybody talks about so much but the real reality with cortisol it, it wasn't always the demon in the <laughs> in the story so cortisol had a very real function i mean cavemen times if you didn't have that you were pretty much dead right if you didn't have fight or flight and fight or flight is where you know you figure out if you're going to freeze or or fight back, right? So, or take off, right? So anyway, it's just, it's your body's way of keeping itself safe and alive because it needed to be there. It needed to give you a response to do something. Uh, and now what happens is little things, a guy in traffic who's really starting to tick us off because he's in, you know, his lane is supposed to yield to our lane and he's not paying attention or he's on his cell phone and all of a sudden we are so angry our stress level is now at a level where it should be when a, a tornado hits or somebody's coming at you with an ax or like these are not responses that it's above and beyond what the response should be. But now take it a step further. It's not only a, a reaction that's way above the reality of the problem. Like, I mean, people stress about everything, right? At work, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna get this email into this guy in time and I needed to get it out by four o'clock. All these crazy things that get us so anxious and so stressed that like life or death is happening. And then it stays elevated. So it should happen as a response and then our body should then counterbalance that. Like what's called homeostasis, balance. You want that. You want it to sort of even itself out. But what if we get way up high like that and then it just stays up there? Well, that's what's happening. Every little thing is like compiling. We're getting one stress after another stress. And before you know it, we are now so stressed out that we're constantly feeding this cortisol to our body. And guess what cortisol feeds? Tumors. So in the case of my husband, we didn't talk about it a lot, but I'm dumping it all out on the table now so people can really understand this. He had, I don't know if you've heard OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. He had it to a very 
minimal amount. And by minimal, I mean, if he shook your hand, he was aware he shook your hand and he was not going to take a bite of salad or whatever, grab his water bottle until he had the opportunity to wash his hands. It's not like he was somebody who would turn the water off and then have to tap it three times and um, do these ritualistic things, but he was he carried with him this element of stress because his body was, it's a, it's an anxiety disorder. So, you know, his body was constantly, you know, after he locked a door, he would check back and look at it a couple times. Like he was very aware of things to the point where it was causing like this constant low level stress all the time. So if you have this constant low level anxiety all the time, then you add into it normal everyday things, you're probably already elevated above the rest of society in terms of what how much cortisol you're releasing. So we were aware of that for many years, but you know, when you find ways and strategies around it, sometimes you think you've cured something. <laughs> and I can tell you that's a really scary thing because none of us should be playing doctor with our own health. Um, and just thinking that because you're not seeing the signs and symptoms that you've cured something or fixed something on your own can be really scary. Um, I am a huge proponent of both Eastern and Western medicine and the blend of the two. So by that I mean, um, a lot of you are probably wondering, is she somebody who's gonna be talking all the time about these natural approaches or you know, pushing me into the doctor's office when I've already written them off and I'm doing this on my own? I am in the middle of this. Um, and the reason for that is because I think there are times when we need our doctors. We need them. They have information that we need. They have machines and they have lab work and they have things that can give us information that we cannot get on our own, period. But our body also does give us a lot of signs and symptoms. Um, it does give us a lot of information if we know how to test for it. Um, I mean, I even know how to test gluten without without even just by using my hand on the resting it on the body and seeing how it responds to things. So some people have skills like that. So I'm not saying those things don't exist. They very much do. You need a trained person though to do some of these things. And sometimes I think we want to know and feel empowered that we can do this all on our own. And you know, it's good to, to even if you're somebody who's just so anti go to the doctor, just to check in and make sure you're okay. Um, I'm not a big fan of unnecessary tests, especially the ones that give you exposure to radiation and things that you don't need. Um, and for that reason, I've always discussed, like when I go to the dentist, I will pass sometimes on some of my x-rays or I will pass on certain things. But there, sometimes it's misinformation because there, not all tests do give you an amount of radiation that's dangerous. So again, now we gotta go back to like, who who knows the most about this? Well, it's not necessarily just searching it on Google and thinking that now you are the expert. I am all about doing your own research and trust me, I did a many Google searches to get information and then I took that information, I brought it to my doctor and then I listened and I really took in, what am I hearing that feels to me like something doesn't add up and I'd ask those questions. So sometimes we would go back and forth and sort of debate it almost at the doctor's office until then we were on the exact same page because at the end of the day, you're both trying to solve the same problem, but their experience is different than yours. But if you're both working towards the same goal, we met in the middle a lot where they said, nope, you're right. We had already decided, I'll give you an example. So. 
my husband had a shunt put in his head at one point, which um, is a brain surgery. This is actually a really good teaching point, and I want to mention this. We resisted this surgery for so long because we thought he was going to have this big thing attached to his head, draining the fluid out that was going to be like external on his body. Everybody would notice and, and not just about noticing, but like he would he would feel sick and he felt like these openings into his brain to the outside world was dangerous because, you know, he swam in a lake and he, I mean, he didn't just swim. He did wakeboarding and water skiing and like aggressive water sports and stuff. So we were picturing this thing getting ripped off like in one of these activities or playing basketball or like we were just like, whoa, I don't think so. I really wish in in hindsight, <laughs> we should have told our exact fears to our doctor and we should have <laughs> given them the opportunity to explain exactly what it looked like and what it functioned as and how it worked. Let me tell you why we didn't. COVID. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of the opportunities. We weren't even meeting in person at that time. We were having to do these sort of like a Zoom medical call. And oh man, when I think back, what we didn't know was it was all going to be under his skin, not some big, huge lump under his head that was going to be very noticeable. I mean, you didn't even see it. And by putting it off, his vision deteriorated and other things happened. So I'm telling you right now, I've gone way down again, another little sidetrack, but this was an important point that I wanted you to hear. Something that we learned of great value was to speak your worries out loud to your doctor because the whole reason we were pumping the brakes and digging our heels in was for a lot of reasons that didn't hold any weight, you know, and, and in the end we did talk and we did figure this out and it, and it wasn't like we put it off for more than like a day or two probably even, but even that amount of time, it did um, take a toll and they even said at any point he could have gone blind. We didn't even know it was to that level. So the conversations just have to, you know, really happen a lot. The idea of putting the shunt in, the shunt would take cerebral spinal fluid, it's like the fluid around your brain, and it would drain it into his stomach area, his abdominal cavity. And my worry was, right now, at that point anyway, I was thinking he's got cancer that's only isolated to his brain and spine. It's called central nervous system melanoma, which was really unusual and rare and um, Anyway, it was only located in there. And you have something called the blood-brain barrier that really almost protected the rest of his body from this cancer spreading because it, you know, it, was, it was within this barrier. Um, and then thinking about a shunt, which is like putting in this drainage tube to let the fluid out so the pressure didn't build up, I was so concerned about that then letting these cancerous cells spread into his abdominal cavity and other areas. So I mentioned it and then we talked about it and they actually said, yeah, we're worried about that too. So whew, I felt good. Okay, great. You know, my research paid off. I know what I'm talking about. And then <laughs> this is why you go to your doctor because what they said next was not something I had thought about and wasn't something that was occurring to me. The risk of not taking the pressure off and letting those cells down into the abdominal cavity was the pressure would build up in his brain and basically brain damage occurs. So anything, your brain controls it all, right? The movement of your arms, legs, your 
um, hearing, your sight, your absolutely everything happens in your brain and spine. So the risk there so outweighed my worry about, they were like, yeah, you're right. And then if the cancer shows up there, then we fight there. But I, it, I was so tunnel vision and not wanting to spread something. And in my mind, I was just thinking about, you know, keeping his cancer, not, you know, not allowing it to become a grade four or whatever, stage four. But in the reality of it all was that we weren't even necessarily promising he was going to make it long enough to even have that be of a concern. So the conversations have to happen. And that's just my little two cents on that. So that's another should have. So I'm really glad that that sort of wiggled its way into today. Into today. Um, because yeah, it's a should have. <laughs> it's a should have. We should have sooner. But we definitely didn't stay on the pot too long. <laughs> so we definitely moved fast enough to prevent, you know, complete blindness and other things. But um, hindsight, you know, that last year of his life would have been much, much more beautiful if his vision hadn't been so severely damaged. So yeah, um, don't have should-haves there as far as the doctor. Don't ever give yourself reasons to have regret later. So that's what today was all about. And I really hope that's what you took away from it. No more shooting. <laughs> no more shooting. It's bad. No reason to look back and say, I should have, would have, could have. I mean, if you could have, you should have. And if you should have, then that means you've already not. You missed the opportunity and the boat's already gone. So hop on board and just start making choices that are going to make it so that someday when you look back, you think, yeah, my life was full, rich. I don't, I don't have regrets. I'm not holding on to any old animosity. I mean, even the worst wrongdoings to you, by forgiving them, it's not giving them a gift. It's giving you a gift. So no more regret. Check out my blog if you're interested in some more on all of that. Um, I'm at canyoucurecancer.com. It's H-T-T-P-S. S means it's a secure site, so feel free to explore it. I'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast. I'd love to have you subscribe on my website. Either way, I just hope that you keep following me because I'm really looking forward to spreading more. I've got so many exciting new topics coming up, but for today, just stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> all right. Today, we are all going to stop shooting on ourselves. So today we go out, we're going to go let someone know how important and special they are in our lives. We are not going to hold back. We're going to just give them and pour out pure love without any expectation of anything coming back because as soon as you start expecting, that's when disappointment can set in because people will not always act the way you want them to in response to you, your actions are, period. So no expectations, just a complete open heart and willingness to receive whatever they want to give back to you or nothing at all. That's fine. But either way, you're going to let them know how wonderful they are so that you're never finding yourself reading a eulogy to a crowd full of people that you wish you had said to that person. So have a great day, guys, and I absolutely am so happy that you joined, and I hope that you continue to going forward. Today was about 45 minutes. This is about how long it'll go, but I will say there's going to be some guests coming up, and I'm thinking when I have somebody to talk to instead of feeling like I'm talking to myself, <laughs> that might be a little bit lengthier. So just so you know, keep on coming back and stay healthy and stay well. We're Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Bye.